People have been hiding from God for ages. All through the word of God, people were running for one reason or the other. God would speak to them and they would either run away like he wouldn't know where they were, where they went, or they would just find themselves in all kinds of trouble from ignoring the voice of God in their lives. Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, beginning at verse 7, New King James Version says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Psalms 44, 21 says, Would not God search this out, for he knows the secrets of our heart. Another version of the Bible says, Wouldn't God have figured this out? We can't hide things from him. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on, are you listening to God? Are you listening to God? It's such a timely word from the Lord tonight, and um, I feel very burdened in my heart for this message, and um, I know that, that this is going to fall on ears who need to hear tonight. Jeremiah 23, beginning at verse, uh, chapter 23, beginning at verse 23, says, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord? And not a God afar off. Can anyone hide himself in the secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, says the Lord. So obviously, today, we don't sow fig leaves together and hide from God or hide out in the mountains from God or think that we can hide in a corner out of the sight of God. The way that we hide from God is to simply choose to ignore his voice. We live our lives in such a way and at such a pace that we don't have to deal with the reality of who we are spiritually. We've all played games with our kids, sons, daughters, nieces, nephews. My son Ezra will do this at least once a day now, uh, being three years old, where they will cover their eyes with their hands. And when they have their eyes covered, you can't see them. Right? Don't we wish that we could do that sometimes? This is the, that mentality that I'm talking about. Obviously, you can still see them, but something about them not being able to see for themselves makes them feel invisible. They truly believe they're hidden. If for one minute you think that God is not watching and that maybe you will get away with something, that you can close your eyes to an issue in your life or in your family and think that God cannot see, we need to think again. Amen. When we say that out loud, we can all agree with that statement that, well, yeah, that's a kid's game. But so many of us, us, try to turn our backs to or cover our eyes to issues that need to be corrected in our lives and families. And God is calling you to stop ignoring him in your life. But you're just symbolically covering your eyes to hide and make excuses and not make decisions. But the Bible is very plain when it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, wait, this is going to be deep right here, so, so stay with me. The point is that having ears and hearing are two different things, right? So I urge you, don't be guilty of running or hiding from God by ignoring his voice. 
He wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be a part of your life and this living life more abundantly part. That's what God wants us all to get to. Amen? So speaking of playing with kids, playing kids games, just for fun, I need some volunteers tonight, okay? Just this weekend when we had a great blast at the at the fall festival, I had someone mention that, you know, Brother Brad just never grew up. He likes having, okay, I like having fun. That's mostly correct. So, but we're going to make this a little more fun uh, with this object lesson together. I need 10 men to come up here. I need 10 men to come and stand right across here for me. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just stand up shoulder to shoulder right across the front here. You want spot number four? You're number four. doesn't matter where you stand. Stand in a straight line. I need a few more. We're halfway there. All right. Very good. This is a volunteer game, Brother Sean. <laughs> Thank you for volunteering. All right. That's our 10. Isn't this a nice group of Men right here looking great today. So how, how many remember the old game when you were a kid where you would start on one side and you would see what it turned out to be on the other side? You with me? We used to call it gossip because it was, sounded a little more mysterious to say it that way. But telephone game, you could call it telephone game. So I'm going to give you a phrase, Brother Josh, down here. And we're going to see how close Brother Sean gets to it. Brother Sean, let's keep it clean. All right. Here we go. You ready? You're supposed to say it once. Just try one more time. Brother Brian. One time. Let's cheer them on. Let's cheer them on. They can do this. Brother Sean, you ready? May your mom share sweet potato pie with me. All right, let's give him a hand. All right, y'all want to hear what it really was? I like Hot Wheels. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. Yolanda's aunt shared her secret sweet potato pie recipe with me. So let's give him a hand. They did a great job. Thank you. You may be seated. 
All right, another small lesson here I want to share. Now, my dad's great at these, so dad, don't shout it out if you know the answer. All right, so if you've heard this before, don't ruin it for someone sitting near you. Just keep your thoughts to yourself. I'm going to read this question, and I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about it. So once you think you have the answer right in your mind, again, don't ruin it for anyone around you. Don't blurt out the answer. Please wait till I ask, and let's see if you get it right. All right, here we go. You're driving a bus. You go east 12 miles. You turn south and go two miles and take on nine passengers. And then you turn west and go three miles and let off four passengers. How old is the bus driver? How old is the bus driver? Do you think you know the answer? Raise your hand if you think you know the answer. One person shouted out right there. 21. How old are you? You are 21. I said, you are driving a bus. How old is the bus driver? Great job. Let's give him a great big hand. So the main problem with, with many people that we have with brain teasers and such as this, a lot of times we, we latch on to certain information that we think is important in a question, then somehow we miss the most important part. Can I get an amen from our wives? Not my wife. My wife, she knows that I know everything she says all the time. That's right. <laughs> But so many times, so many of us miss the most important part. So, uh, but I'm going to tell you, when I got to the end of this and I was asked how old the bus driver is, I was like, oh, wait, okay, so there's got to be something. I need to add up all of these numbers divided by the square root of, I thought there was a trick to it. But I took a minute and then I looked back at the numbers and wondered if there was some secret message. But it's that first word, you are the bus driver. So how often is it um, that we have the same problem listening in our real life situations? There are different types of listeners. There's the passive listener. The passive listener does not come to a church service or to a Bible study to hear what God has to say. For example, the passive listener comes into a church service or Bible study, never gives a second thought to what God is saying to him or her through his pastor. There are some people here who are faithful to service, and week after week they physically hear the Word of God that is urging them to listen and act. However, they do not respond. And we ask why they're not listening to God. They tune Him out. They tune His Word out of their lives. They're passive listeners. Some people just do not listen and refuse to act on God's instructions. They are hiding from God. Then we have the selective listener. The selective listener listens to only what he wants to hear. And ladies, again, wives, this is not just to the husbands. But as Christians, uh, we cannot pick and choose what we like and do not like in the Scriptures. We must obey all of God's words. Obey. I'm telling you, if you get this submission to God under control and obey, then everything else just starts falling into place. Can I get an amen? And then we have the aggressive listener. The aggressive listener comes to hear, seeking to hear diligently to what God has to say. The aggressive listener comes to church with all ears and wants to hear regardless of the circumstances of what God wants to say to them. The aggressive listener wants God's will for his or her life. He wants to know 
if he, what he is doing in his life is right or if it's wrong. And if it's wrong, and this is important, he or she is willing to make a change. You may be in a service and think for a moment you're willing to listen and to make a change for a little while, but, but this has to be a life change. It can't be just a temporary moment that you felt the presence of the Lord and you wanted to make a change and it lasted a week or so. It's got to be a life change. And we can find an example of aggressive listeners in the book of Acts, Acts 17, 11, where the Berean Christians listened to what Paul said. Acts 17, 11, this is what he said. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Aggressive listener. Matthew seven twenty four says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. If we want to live godly lives, then we must listen to God's will and then put it into practice. Amen. The Bible teaches in Deuteronomy chapter 11 that if we listen and we obey God, we'll be blessed. On the other hand, if we do not listen to God, we will be cursed. So listen equals blessed. Do not listen equals cursed. So we need to break that down anymore. Listen, blessed, do not listen, cursed. So there are many different ways that we hear God speaking to us. I may hear God speak to me in a totally different way than, than you do. Some different ways that God speaks to us through human conscience that God has given each of us. Amen? Awe of his created world. Have you ever just been out and completely awed by the creation of God and it begins to speak to you? I'll never forget the first time I went to the Grand Canyon. Sat there looking out and I just felt the presence of God. And, and I, I looked at my wife and I said, it's, it's kind of a spiritual moment because it's so beautiful and I've never seen this and I've heard people try to explain it, but it's hard to put it into words. He can speak thoughts into our minds. He can speak through other people, spiritual gifts such as prophecy, tongues and interpretation, wisdom, knowledge, discernment of spirits, dreams and visions, his written word, the Bible. Who would have thought that God could speak to us through the Bible? Through peace that passes all understanding. God can speak into our lives. And the primary revelation of Jesus Christ in our own lives, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In Psalms 81, we read one of the saddest stories of a people who would not listen to God. It says, listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warnings. O Israel, if you would only listen to me, you must never have a foreign God. You must not bow down before a false God. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me walking in my path. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. From this psalm, we read that the nation of Israel did not listen to the counsel of God. They tuned him out and followed their own stubborn hearts. You see, God told Israel through his word, through his commandments, not to bow down to other gods. But they did not listen to him. And when you read this passage, you, can't, you can sense the desperateness. Oh, that my people would listen. Oh, that my people would follow me. God wants to be listened to doesn't want us to turn a deaf ear to his instructions. He expects us to hear what he has to say. And then he expects us to follow what he has to say. There are many, many, many examples 
in the Bible demonstrating the consequences of listening or not listening. Examples of different ways that God spoke to individuals. There's a hundred or so examples and I think we might have time to go through most of those tonight. Like the way God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 by direct revelation or direct communication between God and man. God spoke to Saul while on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in Acts 9, 3 and 4, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? God spoke through his prophets. God spoke through angels. God has used many different ways to communicate to his people. But probably today, the Bible is one of the primary ways that God communicates through us personally. How does God communicate to us through his words? I want to share a few of these specific stories about listening. Genesis 20, New King James Version, Abraham and Abimelech. Chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. And I just want to read through this uh, chapter right here. Beginning at verse uh, 1, chapter 20. And Abraham so journeyed from there to south... And dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord... Will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? Verse 11, And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God calls me to wander from my, from my father's house that I said to her, This is your kindness that you should do for me in every place. Wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, 
I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus, she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Two times in this story, God talks to Abimelech in a dream. And what I really want you to get out of this story is the parts of God speaking. Had Abimelech not listened, I'm not talking about sitting in a church service and being a warm body on a chair, selective listening. What I mean is that if he would not have acted upon this dream, it would have meant death to the entire city. Abimelech had the dream. And I could imagine that this was probably like some kind of nightmare. He had not done anything wrong. He met this, I would guess, would be a beautiful lady in Sarah. And he was the king. And then he said, well, I'm going to take her as my wife. She's that man's sister. She's gorgeous. And so now she's mine. That was his mind. That was his process, his thinking. Then the next thing he realizes is that God's talking to him about this woman. What, God, are you serious? I have to give her back because she's married? The guy told me he was his sister, and she said he was her brother, right? God's reply, yes, you're right, but they are married, and you have to return her. And as he was waking up trying to figure everything out, was that real? Was that God? But I don't think there was any doubt in his mind that God Almighty had spoke to him through this dream and that he must act now. The Bible says he gathered his entire house together and told them the story. And they were shocked, as I am sure anyone would be. He said, we've got to get this lady back to her husband because God said it would be certain death if we did not. He reproached or he scolded Abraham. Why did you do this thing to me for, Abraham? Why? I've never done anything to you. Why would you do something so evil to me? And he thought, well, I didn't think there would anybody be here that would fear God. I thought I may be killed if you thought she was my wife. Abimelech listened to the voice of God. He did exactly what God told him to do and in turn saved his life. And not only his life, but his entire family and house. But look, the Bible says that after he returned Sarah, that Abraham prayed for Abimelech. And his family, because all of the wombs were closed of the women in this entire family. No babies, no future generations. So this one decision to listen to God didn't only save the life of one man, Abimelech, but generations to come. And we could preach about this for a while. If you think for a minute, church... If we think for one moment that decisions that we're making are not affecting those around us and for generations and generations to come, the ones you love, the ones that you love, you need to wake up from that dream and start listening to God. We need to be sensitive to the voice of God in our lives. We then need to act on it, not ignore it for another day or another season in our life. We cannot discount it and say or justify in our own minds that, well, maybe God was trying to talk to somebody else. Maybe God just messed up because I sat in a different seat tonight at church. Maybe he just missed it. 
God, surely you're not talking to me. But you better know that God doesn't miss it. And we better listen when God speaks. Do we hear God speaking to us? In this story, God spoke to Abimelech in a dream. But God speaks to us in many different ways. The Bible tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. In 2 Timothy three sixteen, we read all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hearing God's voice is something we all long for. But did you know that it's not hard to do? In fact, God wants you to hear His voice. Hearing the voice of God can be as natural as hearing your best friend talk to you. I'll never forget, I had an elder tell me when I was younger, and, and I've passed it on to others, that when you've experienced the voice of the Lord, and you know emphatically that was God speaking to you, you need to become comfortable with that, and recognize that, and know what that feels like when the Lord is speaking to you, and never ignore the voice of the Lord in your life. The Bible says this about God's Word, for the Word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need to listen to the Lord. We can hear Him every day and not just on special occasions if we want to hear God's voice. Then you must be ready to listen. The next story I want to share is about Jehoiakim. If we go to Jeremiah 22, beginning at verse 21. I spoke to you when everything was going your way. You said, I'm not interested. You've been that way as long as I've known you. Never listened to a thing I said. This hath been thy manner from thy youth. Jehoiakim, God's judgment upon him, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Jehoiakim was probably a normal kid in many ways. But he was raised in a palace, a king's kid. Josiah, his father, was made king while he was only eight years old. Josiah, even though he was just a boy, was a godly king. And he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. From Jeremiah twenty-two twenty-one, it appears that the Lord had the same plans for Jehoiakim. His name was originally Eliakim, but when the king of Egypt removed Jehoaz, his brother from the throne, he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Eliakim means the Lord shall establish, but Jehoiakim means Jehovah sets up. The Lord spoke to and dealt with Jehoiakim from the days of his youth. God talks to young people. We believe that, amen? God talks to young people, and we believe that. I'll never forget, I was 13 years old, and in our old platform, the way it was, I was kneeling down right here, and the pastor laid his hand on my head and prayed for me, and I felt the voice of the Lord speak to me. And he said in that prayer, I'll never forget, he said, as a grown man, this child shall be used in ministry at this church. Who knew? I didn't know. That's been a long time ago. God speaks to young people. So Jehoiakim reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and the Bible tells us that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. From the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign, the Lord spoke to him through Jeremiah, but he refused to listen. 
Jeremiah 26 and 27, Jeremiah over and over again spoke the word of God to Jehoiakim, but he would not listen. In the fourth year of his reign, Jeremiah sent a message to Jehoiakim of God's punishment if he would not repent. The message finally got to Jehoiakim one year later. Jehoiakim was only 30 years old at this time, but certainly was not a kid. Jeremiah 36, beginning at verse 22. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month. And there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudah had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it in the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all of these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deliah and Jamara had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. So it was September, ninth month, and Jehoiakim was in the winter house. His advisors and friends were there. A fire was on the fireplace burning before them. Jehudai began to read the scroll warning Jehoiakim of God's wrath if he did not repent. After only three or four pages were read, Jehoiakim took his pocket knife, the pen knife, and took the scroll out of Jehudai's hand, reached for that knife, and started cutting this word from the Lord up. With no regret, with no regard that it's from God Almighty. And he throws this into the fire. Three men standing by begged him not to do what he did next, but he refused to hear. You see, Jehoiakim had become professional at not listening. He'd become a professional at ignoring the voice of the Lord. He'd become a professional at setting through the church services or listening to wise counsel, and time after time after time say, I'll make things better next time. I'll do something about that another day. I'll take on that challenge in a different season of my life. There's too much going on. I'm going to ignore the voice of the Lord one time. After all, I have plenty of time left. Jehoiakim had become a professional at not listening. He took the shredded scroll threw it in the fire and watched his last chance to listen to God go up in flames. Some of us are headed in the same way. God is speaking to someone right now. There's no way for me to know what God is speaking to you about, but you know. Maybe God will just let me be and not pull on my heart right now. It's, it's just not a convenient time in my life. You know, you have, have found yourself too busy. You don't want to make any commitment to God while friends are around. You don't want anyone to tell you what to do, where to go. You don't want to hear right from wrong. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's godly friends. Maybe it's family members that begin to annoy you and you have, in effect, cut their warnings up with your mind and burn them with no regret. You walk with God and your eyes has not wavered. You're still listening. You say, well, that's what everybody thinks. That's what everyone thinks anyway. 
You think it's nothing, only normal for you to do some of the things that you feel you need to do in life. A little experimentation with sin here or there. Or maybe it's not sin at all. Maybe it's just a weight that has got your relationship out of balance with God. Maybe it's a break from responsibilities to God, laying all excuses and justifications to the side. It boils down to the fact that you're rejecting the voice of God in your life and complacency has set in just as it did with Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was not afraid. He was not shook up. It's very scary, but his rejection did not change God's plans. Jeremiah had another message from God. He told Baruch, the scribe, write the old message down again and then add this to it. So now we go to Jeremiah 22, verses 18 and 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, my brother, or alas, my sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, master, or alas, glory. He shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. And then chapter 36, verse 30, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. Verse 31, I will punish him, his family, his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them. But they did not heed. Because remember earlier spoken in Jeremiah chapter 22. I spake unto thee in thy prosperity. I talked to you in the good times. And you did not listen. You didn't have time for me. When everything was going your way. When everything was good. You ignored me. If I can have the musicians come please. I'll put it off for a different season. Life is really not so bad. Things are really not so bad in this world. I've got options. I've heard my entire life that the Lord's returning. We talked about in a meeting last night. People preaching on hell and that how ineffective that is these days. And that the loving God that we serve is too good of a God to send someone to hell. But as someone mentioned last night, hell was not created for us. But if we choose that, God will allow that. I live right beside railroad tracks where we live in our home. And when we first moved in, I would wake up at all hours of night thinking that a tornado was busting through the house. People stay at our house and talk about that train wake you up last night. I don't even hear it. It never bothers me. The noise has become so common to me never hear it at all 
It's called sensory adaptation. Sensory adaptation occurs when sensory receptors change their sensitivity to the stimulus. It is that mechanism of the brain that tunes out constant noise, like a fan running. Now you hear it, now you don't. The air all around us is filled with radio signals, but we cannot see them, we can't feel them. You need a receiver, and you must tune in to the right frequency to hear. Likewise, the spiritual airways are filled all around us with the voice of the Lord. And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize. But the voice of the Lord is calling people in different areas of their life, different times, all the time. He's speaking to people tonight. You don't have to wait another day to walk with God, to hear His voice, to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, to find your life direction. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Listening is no game to God. He spoke to Jehoiakim from the days of his youth, yet he would not obey God's voice. Listen to the voice of God. We need to determine in our hearts, church, that God and the things of God are going to be prioritized in our lives. And if we obey the voice of the Lord, then we can have that breakthrough that Brother John's preached about on Sunday. But we first have to listen to God. We have to obey the voice of God. And for six days, this message has been on my heart. And I'm preaching to myself. We can find ourselves becoming so complacent in this good life that we live. Yeah, we have problems, we have issues, and no one's perfect. It's really a good life. But we need God. We can't come to the place that we think that, well, I don't really need God today. I'll wait for that next test to come, and then he'll be there. He'll listen to me because he's a just God. He is a just God. But there's the goodness and the severity of the Lord, and we can't forget that. Let's all stand, please. Dear Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel here tonight. God, too many times we find ourselves ignoring your voice and playing the childlike games of covering our eyes, thinking that you can't see us. Lord, you know the secret places of our hearts. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a special way right now. God, that there would be a passionate call for someone to listen for your voice and your will in their life this night. There's no mistake of any one person being in the sanctuary tonight. God, you order our steps. But it's our choice to listen and to obey and to follow your word tonight. I pray, God, that you would bless us with your presence. One more time, in Jesus' name.